right? To show that power back to myself, to be like, yeah, I am powerful. Look at these things. I like with my body behind me, with my nervous system behind me, with the, that energy behind me, like, hell yeah, I can create whatever I want. podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. We are coming in hot with a new interview with Gray Doolin. This episode is full of intimacy codes from a perspective of embodiment, how intimacy with ourselves and others is connected to our capacity for sensation and how calling in what we desire involves preparing our bodies to receive it. Gray is brilliant and illuminates the hotness in saying yes to ourselves at a deep level. Gray Doolin, Masters in Education, They Them, is a transgender desire and sexuality coach, a performer, a professional top, and the divine daddy. They help women name, acknowledge, and explore their desires using their framework, the embodied manifestation method. After going from a life marked by severe depression, addiction, and the effects of trauma to one of embodiment, integration, and deep connection, Gray uses their own body, energy field, and limbic resonance to mentor others into embodiment and presence via group coaching and a one-to-one intimacy intensive. Gray has been featured on And the Net Appeared, Paving the Ways, and Dateable Rebels podcasts and has helped thousands of people become more intimate with their own experience and more connected to themselves. I loved this conversation and I'm excited to share it with you. And I'll leave it to you now. Welcome to Magic of the Spheres, Gray. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. I'm excited for this. I feel a field already. Um, Like, I feel so inspired by the videos that you've shared and the body of work that you're creating and that you're tapped into. Um, so I would just love to hear maybe to start out with, um, what's alive for you currently. And I know we connect over like an Aries thread here. So Mm -hmm. if you want to share any of your astrology, Mm -hmm. I would love to share my astrology. So glad you asked. Um, yeah, so I'm a Gemini sun, Pisces rising, Aries moon. My Venus is in Taurus, so I feel pretty well um, grounded in the elements there. Uh, what feels alive for me right now, um, the, just the shift into fall season. Um, I love fall so much. It feels really like my power season. I don't know if it's the... I have Jupiter at zero degree Scorpio, so this um i don't know just the whole like death rebirth it just feels like a time where i like really come to my own and in, in a new way throughout the year so i'm launching a new um collaborative offering today like in the next couple of weeks for a weekend intensive and the first week in november and the scorpio full moon it's called the tower burning down your barriers to the intimacy you crave um so that's alive right now um yeah, building relationships, networks, expansion, up-leveling, um, all of that right now. So those placements make sense for you. Jupiter and Scorpio, like in terms of what you're teaching, uh, Venus and Taurus, like around, you know, capacity for sensation and really bringing it to embodiment. Um, Pisces rising here as well. So I love meeting others of us because it's apparently a rare rising sign. Um, so I would love to hear, yeah, it is. It spends like the least amount of time rising. So it's like a statistically rare rising, rising sign. Oh, I like 
didn't need any more information to like make me feel any more special, but I appreciate it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm glad that you're feeling special. That's always good. <laughs> totally. So I'd love to hear kind of how you got onto this path and, you know, what the work is that you're doing. What is the embodied manifestation method? Yeah. I'll start with the method and then loop it back to my path. So the embodied manifestation method is a framework I created to, um, to do my work through. And so there are four pillars to it, which include embodiment. And my definition of, of embodiment is just uh, literally being present with the sensation in our bodies. Like it's not more complicated than that. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's not complicated. Um, increasing our capacity for sensation is another pillar and then redeveloping or developing self-trust self-trust and then the last one is um naming and acknowledging our desires and so those are the four pillars that uh, make this up and i call it manifestation it's really just about creating our worlds um but the like emm felt i just like like the way that it sounded together you know had like a nice ring to it but it's right it's our realities it's this the lives and things that we're co-creating all the time with spirit and this is the way to do it. I think that in my own spiritual path and hanging out in these like sort of new age coachy crews, um, I often felt really frustrated with the sort of manifestation, like just love and light thing. And I was like, yo, this is not working for me. It's not working for me. And I like, you know, my like Gemini, I was like all in the head. I just like loved, I was reading books and like consuming all of this information and really working to change my mindset and thoughts. Um, and it wasn't until I like started to do embodiment practices and like actually get into my body and to really begin to alchemize and transmute all of the shadow, all of the pain, all of the trauma that was in my body that like my life really began to shift. And then I began to be able to right, state a desire and a thing that I wanted um, and then actually like see it manifest in my world. And I was like, you know, I know I'm powerful. Like, I know I'm like meant to like have these things and do these things in my life. Like, and I just like, I felt so impotent, you know? Um, and so this reconnection to body through these, you know, the four pillars in particular in the way that they were tailored to how I worked them, worked that process. I was just, it began to right. To show that power back to myself, to be like, yeah, I am powerful. Look at these things. I like with my body behind me, with my nervous system behind me, with the, that energy behind me, like, hell yeah, I can create whatever I want. I love that. So what was that process like for you in terms of like life arc journey? Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> A long, a, big life, a long <laughs> life arc. Yeah. I mean, most of my life, I feel like it, it took me to get to that place. Um, but I, so I came out, um, super young as trans, like I was five or six years old. Um, and I grew up in a Pentecostal house. And so, you know, my parents didn't know, they didn't know what to do with me. It was the early eighties, you know, like trans visibility representation just wasn't as it is now less resources available. And so it was just this, like, it wasn't okay. It, it, just like who I was, was not okay. And there was a lot of, um, yeah, just a lot of like trauma and gender coercion and, and stuff around that. Um, so that, you know, coupled with religious trauma, grant and a very fundamentalist, um, like household and religion and a super fear and shame based, you know, just like my body just began to collect all of these, stories and narratives about who I was in the world, about what God thought about me, about how lovable I was, which I was, you know, getting messages from my family. You know, I was being picked on in school and in public restrooms. And, you know, it was just this, the messages that I was internalizing from the world all around me, just that I wasn't okay. And so how that, you know, manifested in my life is that I, you know, sought out experiences and relationships that just confirmed that belief for me, you know? So I was like, uh, I've had my own stuff with addiction and abusive relationships and depression and mental health stuff. Um, just like a lot of darkness, I would say for most of my life, like I was just like hanging out in that shadowy, like sort of effects of trauma. Um, when I, 
So when I, so three years into my undergrad, I sort of like hit one of my rock bottoms and dropped out of school and went checked myself into rehab. Um, and then from there kind of made this overcompensation or correction and just like dove really hard into academics. I like finished my undergrad, went straight into my master's, went straight into my PhD. Um, and then towards the end of my PhD program that like that all began to crumble. And I would say that that's when I really began probably like a, a decade plus long journey into committing to processing um, my trauma, my childhood stuff, getting into my body. It was around um, like 2010, 2011, but it was a really, like I had been so disconnected from my body, so disconnected from self, from my feelings for so long that it, um, it took me a long time to like re return back home and back to myself with that. That's an amazing story. And I feel like, you know, your presence, like you exude a lot of confidence and like power, like that's mm -hmm. what I pick up from you. And so just that full kind of experience of going into these really deep places and finding yourself and like your sovereignty and like standing in who you are. Yep. So about, um, holding sensation can, can you share more of like what that means? Like it's simple as you were saying, but why is it so difficult? Um, how do we get into like feeling our, our body sensations more? Yeah. Well, sensation is always present. I mean, even numbness is like, has the quality of, of a sensation there. And so, you know, I think at the, like, if I was to build a visual model of the embodied manifestation method. I think underneath all of those four pillars, like the bedrock is this idea of self intimacy and that to like do to engage with the four pillars, it really is about this relationship with self. And so I think that particularly like around sensation, it's, you know, if you don't feel super embodied or aren't aware of various parts of your body, it, it really is just this commitment to, like taking these small moments and like, so what are like, what's happening in my feet or in my hands or like in my belly or like at the back of my neck, like really just paying attention to that. But I think what um, feels challenging about that is like most, most of us don't want to come home to ourselves in that way because of what we're going to find there. Or we don't know what we might find there. We don't know what to do with that burning sensation or the tightness in our chest. It's, you know, I think, so now that I feel that, like then what? Hmm. Um, and so all I know is that like, I feel aversion or I don't want to feel that. And so I'm not going to, you know? Yeah. So what do you feel like are the the kind of costs that come from numbing versus like what opens up when we like dip into those sensations, even the challenging ones that you're alluding to. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the cost, and I say this in a, you know, I was looking like over these questions around consequence, you know, like I don't, the idea of cost or consequence, I just want to be careful that, because I don't have a value judgment on that. Like it feels mm. like it's not that um, if you numb out or if you can't sit with your sensation or whatever, that like you're doing something wrong or bad. It's just about, it's like where your nervous system is and your body's capacity mm. to, to feel whatever sensation. But I will say that our ability to increase that capacity, you know, I have this meme or saying that like the, the reason that the thing you haven't, the thing that you want isn't here yet is because your body can't receive it. It like literally cannot receive the thing, whether it's a relationship or a type of intimacy or an amount of money or that job you really want, like your body, it just, it would like blow it out. And so your body's going to protect itself and say, I can't receive that. And so it's not going to come in. And so this idea of expansion, right? So if we want more love, if we like want more joy, if we want more money, if we like want to increase our capacity to receive these things, it's also increasing our capacity though, to sit with and be with the stuff that feels really hard that we don't want to sit with the stuff that we're avoiding. And so it's right. It's just about at what level do you, at what level and at what sensation do you want to experience your life and the abundance that is within that? I appreciate that framing. Like there's a spaciousness in the way that you put that. Yeah. Um, so in terms of dealing with the, the difficult emotions or sensations, um, what, what have you come into contact with, um, that 
either, you know, helps you or like as a tool helps people in general to move with those like more difficult feelings? Yeah. I think that support is always helpful. Um, I mean, I've been, I was in talk therapy for most of my life, but it wasn't until I started to do EMDR, which is like a somatic based therapy, um, that the trauma and the stuff that was in my body actually began to move out and having, um, just a witness in that while I was present in my own body with stuff that, I mean, just like deep levels of self-hatred, um, deep levels of just feeling like so unworthy, so unlovable and having someone that I felt safe with in that space, witnessing me be present with that. Um, I mean, it, it literally changed my life. It's incredible to go to that place of self-honesty, like to like feel those intense things. Like, I feel like there's kind of a threshold experience in that, like, and those are really hard things to face. Right. But there's so much power in them too. And like kind of on the other side of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Where yeah, I mean, I think, oh. oh, go for it. Well, I was just going to say, um, you know, the, the point that like got me to EMDR, like, I think I just reached, like, I, again, I had tried so many different ways to try and quell or just satisfy the pain that I was feeling that like came from all of these stories and feelings. And that's why I was just like, the, like, I, I know that it can be different. I like, I don't have any evidence in my own body to show me that, but I just like have this glimmer of hope that it is possible. What is like the one thing I haven't tried, which is like literally to walk into the fire. And I was like, at this point, I either continue on with a life that feels so painful, like every waking moment, everything was triggering. I mean, it just, it was, everything just felt like barbed wire on like rawness. Um, so I could either sort of succumb to a life of that or try this thing that I hadn't fully tried, which is to, which is to fully open myself to like what was there. And EMDR, what's that? It's eye movement desensitization. Rep. And I can't remember what the R is, but it's, um, it's like, it's a trauma healing technique. Okay. Eye movement desensitization. Yeah. I can't, I cannot remember this one what the R stands for easily Google, Googleable. Many therapists are trained in the method. Um, okay. So it's a yeah. trauma, trauma healing technique. Yes. Yep. Cool. Um, and then at some point you got into existential kink. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm curious to kind of hear about that, you know, what that is. Um, and that's actually, I feel like that's a thread that has connected us because I've recently been super interested in that. Um, and it's, it's an energy, it's a field. So I went, when I was tapping into your work and like the, the way that you're talking about, you know, sensation and, uh, working with aversion, it's like, I felt that connection of, yeah. you know, being connected to similar ideas. Yep. Totally. Yeah. So do you want me to describe what <laughs> Yeah. What and, is existential king? Yeah. Was, you know, just kind of like, how does that, um, go hand in hand with these kind of more difficult sensations to hold? Yeah. Well, existential kink is um, Carolyn Elliott's Dr. Carolyn Elliott's like brainchild, like the thing that she has brought into the world um, under that name. I feel like it exists under many other things like shadow work and um, tantric stuff, et cetera. But the idea is that, um, you know, because we are whole divine beings and, you know, we see just this, our human ego selves see our, keep us separate, our feelings separate, that these negative or challenging experiences that we have, um, that some part of our shadow self and unconscious is actually calling them in for our growth and evolution. And because we like sort of kinkily get off on them in some way. Um, but I think that the real encouragement there, right. Cause there's the traditional stuff around alchemy and transmutation in that, but I love what she brings to, which is this idea of like, can we find pleasure 
in what like what we typically think of as like deeply uncomfortable and something that we would want to stay away from right so when for example if um, well, I talked about it in reference to rejection, but also something like shame, which is something that keeps us so small and separate. And I think, yeah, it's really contracted around ourselves. So how about like you're in a situation where shame comes up or you're expanding and being more visible on social media and you feel shame come up. Is there a way to delight in that and to be like, oh, this means I'm I'm taking up more space. I'm like busting out of the story that I grew up learning that it, it wasn't okay to use my voice or for my body to be seen or for people to be, for people to desire me, you know, is there a way to not kind of fold in around that shame and let that sort of take over and move from that place rather than just naming it, letting it flow through, like recognizing the sensation and, you know, um, Karen Elliott's like additional thing with as existential kink would then be to like to get off on that, like in whatever way that, you know, fits for you. I like that you brought in the social media part because I feel like social media is such a high sensation experience because you're taking something from your inner world, you know, or a photograph of you and putting it out there for everyone, you know, or a group of people to see. And so just to feel into that space of vulnerability and exposure um, and how that can be a gateway toward expanding the nervous system and, you know, letting in more attention or, you know, more recognition, um, or yeah, exposing something that we'd normally keep really private, um, and what that can do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And can it be so hot, you know, like that's the, like yeah. It's hot. yeah. Yeah. Can you say more about that? <laughs> What's hot about it? Well, I just, I mean, all of the things that you like listed and mentioned, I just, you know, like the vulnerability and the visibility and the taking inward to outward and towards it, like just all of those things. Right. Cause I think that they, they are high sensation or can be, but I think those are also, you know, in that question about taking these difficult things into our power, I think when we can lean into that discomfort or that high sensation and allow it to be, and to be moved and transformed in that, which like, well, I just, just so hot. I love that perspective yeah. and I, I relate to that, but I don't think I've like put it in that language before. So, yeah. but that's kind of, there is a rush that can come with it. I definitely. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so what's been your inspiration to work with women um, or people assigned female at birth and how do you relate to this work from your trans identity? Yeah. I mean, part of it is that it's like not more complicated than that. Like, I just love women. Like, I love the feminine. Like, I think feminine, like the divine feminine, I think feminine energy is just hot and sexy. And I love working with women. I, that So that just honestly is a part of it. And, um, and also there's this piece, you know, so I lived most of my life um, read by the world and, and socialized and interacted with like as a woman. So I think that there's this like level of affinity as well. Um, that, you know, coming up in the culture of toxic masculinity and the patriarchy and misogyny and just all of these systems that are meant to, you know, keep the feminine like small and under control. Um, so kind of having my own like unleashing process within that. Um, yeah. So I think that like ties to that, then affinity of working with women and, and helping undo some of those same barriers and like the toxic conditioning. Right. And then, you know, in moving through the world, masculine presenting, how has that shifted your relationship with masculinity and like the masculine? Yeah. I mean, dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been, um, oh, just, yeah, such a like profound and beautiful journey and like process in both, um, and really has called me to task on healing my relationship with the feminine and the masculine. I think that, you know, as part of this like integration reconciliation that I talk about, um, because I spent most of my life, you know, under that social socialization of, of the feminine, you know, I had my own experiences with men and masculinity, like in the culture that I had to like do deep healing around, especially, you know, and this is how I often phrase it is that like, as I was recognizing and coming into my own masculine, there was no way 
that I could step into the masculine that I felt that really felt aligned if I still hated men and masculinity. Like I like that's just a trap, you know, like then I would have hated myself. I like couldn't become this thing that I hated. And I and like come to find out I don't hate masculinity. I think it's hot and it's sexy and I love playing around with it and embodying it. And that meant that I had to heal my relationship with the masculine in order to allow myself to become that. That's beautiful. I feel a resonance with that in terms of being attracted to men. And that's always been an impetus to like heal my relationship with the masculine. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, just in comments that I've gotten from folks either on my social media content and then in conversations like individually and personally, like, I think that that's the case for a lot of um, feminine folks who are attracted to masculinity, but it's, um, but there's so much tension or it's very fraught this like, how do I be attracted to this thing that either has caused me harm or that the culture, like I see what is happening in the culture. Um, how can I allow myself to have that when, when, yeah, I feel like fraught is just a very good word for that. Totally. Yeah. It's been, it's been an interesting journey. I feel like Jupiter and Scorpio was actually when me too happened too, Mm. like as a transit. Interesting. Um, but I've always kind of found like, um, you know, navigating this field with so much cultural trauma and just like how it has permeated everything. And like a lot of people are aware of it and feeling it and just like how to navigate like courtship and desire when there's that like vapor in the air of this, you know, collective history that's kind of being unraveled and challenged and transmuted at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And another thing that you had mentioned earlier was, you know, helping people name their desire. And so um, that feels huge, right? Like, what is it, what does it take to like own our desire? If that's like the languaging um, to claim it, um, what kind of makes it difficult to, and yeah, just like how, how does that process become more clear, I guess, easier for people? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I feel like it goes back to that self-intimacy piece again, is that to really be in touch with our desires, we have to be in relationship with ourselves. Because I think once we begin unpacking or kind of taking off these layers, you know, we begin to see what stories or desires belong to the culture that we grew up in, you know, with whatever identities we're carrying or holding, you know, if this for heterosexual or queer or whatever, what that means about our relationships or what we should want or from our messages from our family, like just all of these things. And then what, and then the desires that actually belong to us, like what are true um, sort of coming from either like soul level or body level, you know, like, right? Like where does our soul want to take us today? You know, and really being open to that. Um, but if we, it's my, um, just belief that our desires live in our bodies, which is why embodiment is such a huge part of the work that I do. Cause if you aren't connected to your body, um, and it's like coming from a heady place, you know, like oftentimes we can't think our way in or out of, I mean, we do it all the time. We think our way in and out of stuff all the time. But I think that that um, sort of intuitive embodied soul piece is just, it's like all right here in the body. Right. Yeah. I'm getting this kind of sense as you're sharing that around like some of the potential like ego deaths or kind of mental unravelings that can come from dropping into body level desire. Uh, Cause it can be different than our stories, you know, and like that can be so confronting and so liberating and maybe even tower like energy to speak of, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. It's, um, I often give this example of, um, it was like April of 2020, like sort of early on in the pandemic pandemic and lockdown. Um, and I started to like get these murmurings about, um, like starting an OnlyFans page. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what? I was, you know, in my like initial, 
response was that, oh shit, this is like coming from some trauma response. Like I need to like take this to my therapist and process it. And so even like stopping and observing that that was my first instinct that like what was coming through my body was like, like needed to be pathologized in some way is that it couldn't possibly be just a true desire because it was whatever is that it meant something was wrong with me and wanting that. And so Right. So I think this thing around ego death is that then it like took me, I don't know, like five, six months later to finally like open up to that desire. Um, Cause I think I was terrified about what it meant. There was like some work I had to do around letting myself have that desire, what it meant to allow myself to be desired by other people. Like it was a whole, whole process, but you know, a thing I absolutely love about working with desire is that when we can allow ourselves to open to them and just say yes, is that they lead to these, like to the next and to the next. And then, you know, you like look up like eight months later and you're just like, what, <laughs> like, where am I? This is, I had, this is, I had no idea that this is where I was going, but like how fucking beautiful this thing that I have now is because I said yes to myself. It feels very fool like energy to me. This just a sort of like receptivity to ourselves and a willingness to say yes, like to the adventure of it. Wow. Yeah. I love that association with the fool. And, um, it's interesting. Like I'm working with the mythic tarot with Liz green and, for the fool, she talks about like, you know, these kind of stirrings, mysterious stirrings within the soul and like listening to that kind of hunger for some soul food. Um, and that concept, you know, of saying yes to ourselves and being guided by our soul in that way and taking the leap. That's all like really inspiring and courageous too. See that Aries. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's like a real front and center. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so, you know, I think we've been discussing this, uh, you know, this connection between embodiment and power, but I want to like lean into that a little bit more. And um, it's interesting, like, as we were chatting before this conversation, just like the, you know, Uranus and Taurus, like Pluto, like we were talking about these outer planets, uh, which was delightful, but I totally feel like there's this, um, revolution happening right now with Uranus and Taurus around embodiment. Um, and then, you know, Pluto relating to power, of course. Um, but how do you see like embodiment and power connect? Mm -hmm. So the thing that we have control over is like what happens in our bodies, you know, the thoughts, sensations, feelings, that's the only thing that we have control over, like in this human realm. And so being present, right. And all we technically have is the present moment too. So being present in this moment with the sensations that are like are happening in my body that is like, it is our most potent place. Like it is a place of power. So that is there. And it's tied to this, you know, when we really get in this relationship with self and have this awareness of the ways our moods are impacted, our energy is impacted by people or experiences, or when we see our maybe trauma stories come up or limiting beliefs or whatever, um, we have this awareness of self and then it allows us to take responsibility for that. And we get to decide what to do with that. So we can engage, you know, we can transmute it. We can engage in healing. We can have a vulnerable conversation with someone. Like it's just this, like it's just sovereignty. It is this, I have ownership over what is happening in my field, like in my body, in my energy field. And again, that's, since that's technically the only thing that we have control over, like it, it is our, like, it is our power. That's literally it, you know? Right. I'm feeling like just agency from that, like that self-awareness, self-intimacy, and then this new level of choice opening up because of that. Yes. Yes. Um, you are like an amazing thinker on intimacy. And I know that you do like embodied work around intimacy as well, but you also have this beautiful Geminian capacity to talk about these things in a way that I feel like is creating an invitation to that deeper jump. Um, but 
I'm curious, like your thoughts with um, intimacy. Um, when I was watching some of your videos on it, you know, you were talking about how we prepare, you know, conventionally for intimacy through these kind of talk modalities um, or, you know, mindset, you know, all of these kind of mental realm things and that simultaneously uh, there's maybe like a stigma or a taboo around like hiring people for intimacy or like doing that kind of deeper, more embodied experience with intimacy. And so I just wanted to hear more of your, you know, thoughts on that in terms of, um, you know, how to like pursue or prepare our bodies for intimacy in a way beyond, you know, the talk or the mental realm. Um, and I guess we can start there. Yeah. Yeah. I love this question. It's a lot of, you know, I, th I think a reason a lot of us don't engage or it's just, it's easier to consume this stuff because it feels safer, you know, like, well, if I just, you know, like read some memes about attachment style, or if I like listen to a podcast about setting boundaries, like I got like I got it, but it's, you know, cause it's the, where the rubber meets the road and then we're faced with like the mess that comes up or the quote failures that we have when we do it imperfectly, or, you know, maybe we feel like we can't bear if we betray ourselves again, or if we cross one of our own boundaries. And so, but like all of that, um, it just keeps us stuck and keeps us in this disembodied place trying to go out and get what we want rather than as you're, you know, as you're saying in the question, prepare our bodies to, um, to have compassion and like love and forgiveness for ourselves, like in our human just mess, like that's, you know, this like clarity comes from getting out there and, and interacting with it, you know, like boundaries are formed in relationship. And oftentimes we don't know that like, we don't like a thing or that's a boundary for me until it's been crossed or, something didn't feel good, you know, like that sort of pain that lets us know that like, oof, I'm not going to do that again, you know, and then we learn from that. But I think that, you know, dating and intimacy requires a resilience, which ties back to this, to our body's capacity to hold that resilience, to make mistakes, to be vulnerable, to sit with the stuff that comes up when we are in intimacy with another person. And so, you know, some folks have the capacity and the like, you know, Aries brazenness to get out there and just like dive headfirst into like swiping left or right or whatever and like go and get it. Yes. Like that's right. How we like learn to do this thing. And for other folks, you know, if that desire is there, like, um, you know, I gave this example last fall when I hired a mom for myself to as like a, cause I am not in a relationship with my bio mom and was really like craving that sort of like mothery nurturing presence. And so I just like Googled, I was like, I wonder if you can hire a mom and lo and behold, <laughs> you can <laughs> Nina, she's in New York. She's fantastic. Um, and so, right. I was like, I want this thing. It's very, I'm clear on how I want to feel. Like I like didn't want to go through like, yeah, maybe there are people in my life where I could put a post on Facebook and my community, but I was, I just, I was like, no, I know what I want. I'm going to let myself have it and just like give it to myself and like breathe through all the stuff that like came up around that. Um, and I think that, right. So having, a set container where the parameters are outlined and someone is holding that container with a very clear intention of what is happening there, I think can just provide this level of safety for our bodies to begin to like open to and integrate these new experiences. And so this idea of, um, of pain for intimacy, cause you can almost guarantee that anytime you get into some sort of intimate or close container with another human, like your shit's going to come up like that that's sort of like the beauty and given of it. And so if, if that's the intention there, right. So all of your stuff around like feeling judged or like feeling rejected, or like you feel like you just shared something vulnerable and the person looked down on their phone and like, you felt this like immediate, like all of that sensation that comes up around, like, like, I don't feel seen. I don't feel heard. Like what an amazing like just opportunity in that moment to be able to process that, to name that, to feel that in the body to like 
name it to someone else to be held in that um, and to like work it through that right there is building the body's capacity to be both to like see those stories and to like sit in all of that discomfort that comes up around that and to provide a different experience around it. Like I just, I think that the stigma around it, um, well, first I just feel curious, like what's the story about what it means about you if you pay for intimacy? What does it mean about you? Um, I just think, you know, that if you know what you want and you like give that to yourself, I just think that that's like one of the hottest things like that ties back to that sort of like sovereignty or self-responsibility, that agency piece. It's just like, you're giving yourself what you know that you like want and need to help you prepare to like call in this larger thing into your life. Cause then your body recognizes it. It knows that it sort of like lubricates the nervous system. Right. That's so beautiful. Right. And it's like, we could hire someone to like, I don't know, like fix something in the home. And there's not really necessarily shame stories around that unless it's like, Oh, I should do this myself or whatever. But the idea of just like, um, having an emotional need, um, or like an embodied need and finding a way to be empowered in giving that to ourselves, um, sounds so opening. Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. Freeing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that you see that, well, it gets, it just gets back to that element of choice again, or all just like, there are no good men or no good humans to date, or I can't do this because such and such and such. And it's like, I'm sorry, but that's a story like you, like this is available to you like right here in this moment. So if you want to tell a story that like it's available and I'm afraid, okay. But that feels more like the truth to me than like this thing is not available to me. Right. Um, this may be like a big question. Um, but we got, you know, this Pisces rising here, <laughs> like energy between us, but in terms of, you know, doing this personal work around embodiment and empowerment and sharing that with other people, what do you feel like is the bigger picture implications um, around this work for like our cultural moment? Um, maybe like the spiritual evolution of the planet, you know, anything, if we're going to go far out, like um, what's the bigger picture here that you're seeing? Mm-hmm. I feel like my Aries moon self is supposed to be like, there's no larger meeting. It's just about, you know, courage and having fun and like sensation seeking. Um, however, um, I think that there, I think the identities that I bring into this particular work, I think is like, there's a thing happening around just this larger cultural integration between the feminine and masculine polarities that is happening that we talked about. So I think that is like absolutely an element that I bring specifically to this work. And then I think that, I don't know, and like the rise of the feminine, like there's this, it's just this like busting down of these systems of power and control that have been in place for far too long. Like it's this, and just like, it's not even like limited to the feminine either. It's just like sort of like letting everyone become their like wild, like most wild, uh, like untamed selves. Um, I think that there would be so much more honesty and like happiness and, and, and I think connection and like intimacy, you know, cause that authenticity is, is at the heart of all of that. So I think it's, Yeah, I just think that, you know, the more connected to ourselves that we are, the more that we can actually show up for other people in that same way. Beautiful. Yeah, I feel like the the embodiment piece, it's, um, you know, we're already in these bodies and the sense of like becoming more intimate with ourselves, there's mysteries within ourselves. And you pointed to that earlier with like the fear part of like, we don't know what we're going to find when we look within, but that's like, there's so much room there for exploration. And I think too, you know, pulling in the thread around like desire and what you were saying around, like, is this desire even mine? Like there's this kind of, um, 
the honesty that maybe is possible, you know, allows us to disentangle from some collective desires that may not be true for us and come into ourselves and then share that. Yeah. So Gray, how can people find connect and work with you? Yeah. So the best place to find me right now is on Instagram. I'm at Gray Doolin. That is where the, um, the bulk of my work is sitting right now. Um, and, um, yeah. And so you can reach out to me via DM there. Um, if you're interested in my work or even just want to talk more and do have an offer for your listeners as well, which, um, yeah, which I'm offering folks 20 minute excavate your desires calls. So in these calls, I know that 20 minutes doesn't sound long, but I guarantee we could do a lot in 20 minutes. Um, I move very quickly. And so uh, 20 minutes is perfect. And so in those calls, um, yeah, help people identify at least one thing that they want and then how they can let themselves have that thing. And so, yeah, some questions I often get from people are like, um, how do I know what I want? What if I think I know what I want, but I'm afraid to like go after that. Um, so I'm offering an invitation for folks to be in conversation with me about that. I would love to help you explore and unpack that. What an opportunity. That's so generous. And I just trust like that Gemini sun, like psychopomp, magic, quickness. Uh, thank you for offering that. Yes. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. Um, it was wonderful to talk with you. And yeah, I just appreciate this work that you're doing and um, the way that you're radiating um, out into the world. Thank you. It was such a delight to, yeah, to be here and be in conversation with you about these things. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to connect with Gray, um, find them on social media or take part in that desire 20 minute call you can find the links in the show notes something that has been echoing with me since we had this conversation was thinking about um dating requiring resilience and I was just like that's so true <laughs> and that really kind of bringing it to bodily sensation the embodiment side of it, um, there's just so much power and there's so much magic really in that. Um, I've been reflecting, you know, embodiment is one of my passions right now. Um, and in the coaching communities, you know, and the, just the communities that I'm a part of related to that, I feel that I'm, I'm gaining and absorbing so many perspectives and tools that have really radically shifted my relationship to experience. It's been radical in the sense of really actually having the experience, the real experience of expanding my capacity to hold sensation. Um, and in that, you know, really being able to open and kind of breathe into new layers of myself and of experiences. Um, and, you know, it, it goes beyond just bearing something difficult. There's been like a discovery of like hidden reserves of choice or agency or power um, in those spaces you know, as well as like one that I really worked with, uh, prior to this conversation and one of my first kind of, um, direct, you know, on purpose practices with existential kink was to get off to my disappointment, right? Cause disappointment was so scary to me. It's like, how can I put my heart out there? Like get all excited about something if I'm just going to be disappointed. And so there was all this fear and resistance around that. And it's like dating literally includes that process, right? Cause if you're, um, anticipating that it's going to go somewhere that you're going to hit it off and whatever, but then it doesn't pan out that way. 
there, there could be disappointment, right? And thinking about maybe other subtle disappointments that come through when you have an expectation and it's not fulfilled, right? Um, and what was I scared about with disappointment? Not even necessarily just the story of like what that means, right? Like not just an intellectual thing, but the feeling, the feeling of feeling deflated or sunken, right? And once I kind of expanded my capacity to feel disappointed and actually find the divine comedy in it, it made life a lot less scary. <laughs> like I didn't have to be scared of disappointment, right? And there's something very romantic um, I'm discovering about relating to life from this perspective of expanding capacity for sensation because there's... um there's this flavor in it for me of like deep fulfillment and deep sensuality and, uh, you know, enjoying, you know, sure our preferences, the things that we like perhaps even more deeply, like savoring a tasty meal or something, but also finding the, the, it's not even meaning, but kind of like sense of self, sense of presence in the other things that are more painful or maybe the things that we have, you know, a resistance to. And by being able to accept them and feel them more deeply, there's just this inherent alchemy in that that's, you know, something that I'm speaking of, you know, and that we were talking about in the conversation and is a whole adventure to try. So I think I'll stop rambling here and just say thank you again for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on Apple or um, Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality um, several hours of material exploring things like the intersection between astrology and manifestation, you know, and something that I get into is like play acting, um, which is kind of like a Leo thing, like envisioning Aquarius, the, the life that you want to have and like playing it out. Leo, of course, what we spoke of here today had so much Taurus energy of feeling it and being in the sensuality of life and being in the sensations. And so, you know, if you're going to envision your life and play act it out, like why not feel it too? Um, it's part of the game. It's part of the play, like part of our capacity to be creators here. So I did say I was going to stop rambling, so I will now, but thank you for listening. I hope that you have a beautiful day. Mm -hmm.